if I'm being completely honest, all going through high school and, you know, middle school, high school, all of that, my school district, we didn't have an FFA program. We didn't have a 4-H program. We didn't have any of those. So I didn't even know horticulture existed. I was just on the, you know, okay, let's go to college, get a business degree. It'll maybe help with running my own business in the future and whatever else I go into. And then my dad's in commercial construction and he was talking to one of their landscape subcontractors one day, just kind of catching up with them. And they go, Hey, what would Alex think about horticulture? So he didn't know anything about it. So I just get this text from him one day in the middle of class, go, Hey, look at this website. And he sends me a link to the horticulture website and I go, I'm in. I just transferred into the program. I had never toured Throckmorton Hall. I had never met any of the professors, nothing like that. I just switched in. I knew this was going to be the right fit for me. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey, and today I have a special guest, someone that I may call a future nerd or a sprinkler nerd up-and-comer, or for that matter, also a landscape nerd. I have Alex Stanton. Alex Stanton is a current student at Kansas State University. After Alex started to mow lawns in 2014, he quickly fell in love with the green industry. After discovering the Horticulture and Natural Resources Department at Kansas State University, Alex knew this was his place. He serves as the Horticultural Club Vice President, an undergraduate teaching assistant for multiple classes, an NCLC team leader. He's also represented Kansas State as a 2021 Landscape Student Ambassador, 2021 IA Show E3 Learner, 2022 NCLC Irrigation Design Event winner, while also placing top 10 in the construction cost estimating, irrigation troubleshooting, and hardscape installation. While doing all of this, he also owns his small his own small business in the Kansas City area, Stanton Lawn Services. So that is quite the uh, <laughs> resume for such a up-and-comer. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Uh, for those of you who are not in the Sprinkler Nerd community uh, on Facebook, that's where Alex and I first met. He joined the Sprinkler Nerd private community. And I have the date right here, December 21st, 2021. And uh, we sort of had a, we started a discussion outside of all his academic credentials. And then uh, one thing led to another. And Alex was out at the uh, National Landscape competition, won some awards. And I thought, you know what, we need to talk a little bit more about sort of the future of this industry, what it's like to be a student and everything that goes along with that. So Alex, really happy to have you. And, you know, I do want to learn a little bit more about your early beginnings. How did you start this lawn mowing business? So I've always loved being outside, uh, always been involved in scouting as a kid loved playing outside in the dirt all that sort of stuff and then in august of 2014 my one of my neighbors who was actually about to leave for college unfortunately got in a car wreck ended up i think breaking his arm and his leg 
So it was pretty severe. And he, his mom walked over one day and went, hey, Alex has a yard in the neighborhood. Do you want to start mowing it for him? He can't do it anymore. So I started there and maintained that property from 2014 to 2019, uh, actually through two different owners. Uh, so I kind of got my got started small, but with big properties. Um, and ever since then, I've just fell in love with the industry, loved working outside. I love, you know, those one to three acre kind of estate style lots. It's been my bread and butter. And yeah, that's how yeah. I got started. Just kind of. So when you were back. asked that question, will you mow this lawn? There was a couple choices you could make. You happened to say, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. What was going through your mind at that time? You know, I had always wanted to start my own lawn care business and mow lawns, especially in high school, but I never had the transportation to do it myself. So this opportunity that came up in the neighborhood was great. You know, my parents, we've lived in the same house since 2003 and it's on two acres. So it's not like, you know, you can do the traditional go door to door with a push mower and start selling lawns. It was, I started with my dad's 60 inch garden tractor and it would still take two, two and a half hours to mow property. So it was really a you know, I knew it was going to be a time commitment, but it was something I wanted to do. And I was able to work it around, you know, those were middle school sports at that time. The first homeowner, both homeowners were great people. And the first one was, you know, just excited to have another young entrepreneurial kid that was willing to go out and, you know, just work. So I, I love yeah. that because it really is. You know, we hear this word entrepreneur more so than ever right now. Um, yeah. And I don't mean associated with the green industry. I just mean, you know, in social media, in the news, on YouTube, in social, all this talk of being an entrepreneur. And what I love about, you know, our industry, the landscape industry, it, it is like 90% entrepreneurial. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what makes me think about that first question. Someone said, will you mow this lawn? There are probably the majority would say, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Yeah. You chose to say, sure, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. But how did you even know what you were doing? How did you know you were going to mow it correctly? How did you know what to do? So my dad's always been not quite a turf nut, but he's always been interested in keeping the lawn looking nice. So I learned, I think I started helping him mow our yard. I was probably third or fourth grade. You know, once I was able to activate that seat safety sensor, I was heavy enough for it. I was mowing the yard, driving around the tractor, doing snow removal for neighbors, stuff like that. But a lot of the other stuff, you know, the string trimming, the edging, all that, I kind of knew it, but I was learning on the fly. That's always kind of been more my learning style. I mean, obviously I'm in school, so I can sit down and go through textbooks, but a lot of the way I learn best is just get out and do it and see what happens. I, so. I could not agree more. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. there's learning for learning and then there's learning because you, you did something and that was either you know, right, or it was wrong, or there was a yeah. different way of doing it. And so it sounds like you just got out there and yep. took action. Got out, went out there and went for it. So didn't look yeah. back, see, you know, how I did. And, oh, maybe I didn't strike that just right. So I'll fix it on the next pass. And yeah, just kind of went there for was, it. Um, <laughs> I heard this phrase uh, recently that I really love, and it is something I, I, I won't be able to remember it exactly, but it's something like you have to touch the stove. Like to know the stove is hot, sometimes you have to touch it. And when you touch it, you immediately go, oh, shit, I'm not doing that yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's the way that's, yeah, that's the best way to learn. So, Right on. So I'd love to know 
you know, before we kind of get into your the academic side, tell us a little bit more about, and I haven't asked this question to other guests, but I want to start asking it more. Okay. You know, who is Alex? That's a, that's a tricky one. A lot of my friends, I guess they would describe me as, I mean, I'm always there for them, but I'm not, you know, I'm there to push them and make them better. It was kind of funny for our NCLC trip. I was one of three team leaders. It was me and then two girls and friends with Megan and Kate. And I got the nickname as the hard ass leader and Megan got the nickname, the peacekeeper. And then Kate was somewhere in the middle between us just because I can tend to follow some of the kind of the older school, you know, Hey, this is how it is. This is how it's always been mindsets. And yeah, but no, all my friends know, I mean, they always come to me. I'm getting questions left and right. Uh, last week, I think it's been about two hours talking to a friend. She was looking at two or three different internships. Like, Hey, what do I do? How do I go through this? And then everyone else that knows me, they know I love to give back 27 years ago. Now my grandpa started a charity called cars for heroes. Well, then it was Cars for Christmas, now it's Cars for Heroes. And we give free basic transportation to people in need. And I've been doing that ever since I was three years old. (laughs) So as soon as I could start talking, he started bringing me along. And I was going on TV with them. We were handing out keys. Uh, Now it's growing throughout the Midwest. And we'll we'll give away about 300 cars to families in need. So everyone knows me for that, too. Yeah. 300 cars. Wow. Yeah. And they're all donated from the general public and auto dealerships and people like that. And we take them in, you know, they'll need a little bit of, might need a little fixing here or there. And they're not the prettiest things ever, but they're safe, reliable cars that people can get, you know, help turn their lives around with. Mm -hmm. Wow. Fantastic. Kudos. That's, that's excellent. You know, it'll be awesome to um, love to have a conversation with you, let's say in 10 years, because as you build (laughs) something, because I know you're going to be building something, I can yeah. already see that what's going to come along with building something is giving back. And I can already tell yeah. that there'll be, you'll be giving back uh, equal to what oh, you yeah. build. Yeah. No, that's been always been a big part of my life is I've been very fortunate in a lot of aspects and just being able to try and give back as much as I can and be involved in the community has always been a big thing for me. So. Fantastic. Yeah. So I would like to talk about, you know, your experience with, uh, Kansas State University, and I'm looking forward to talking about how somebody who's entrepreneurial can <laughs> be disciplined enough sometimes to sit through school because sometimes school yeah. and being an entrepreneur are very different skill sets. And so maybe we can just start by, you know, talking about your experience at K State. So I grew up; I've always been a K State fan. Uh, both my parents graduated here in the mid '90s, so. You know, when I was a little kid, it was coming to the K-State football games on Saturday. And I don't know if you've ever been to Bill Snyder Family Stadium before, but especially whenever you get a big football game in there, like K-State versus like OU or KU or one of those, it is loud. And it's a lot of fun. And everyone's just – it's – you'll always hear K-State Athletics and Kansas State University say family. They'll just say it over the – you know. And everyone says that, but – when you go to K-State, you really do feel like a family. I think last time I looked, our enrollment, it's 22,000 students. And I have yet to sit in a class where we don't know at least one mutual friend. It's someone wow. I've never met before. They're from all over the world, all over the country. We're sitting around. We start talking about you know, other classes and stuff like that. And uh, Oh, do you know so-and-so? Well, yeah, he's one of my fraternity brothers. We're like best friends. 
<laughs> so, you know, it's just this huge school, but yet at the same time, it's so small. And yeah. I've absolutely loved it up here. I've been here three years. Uh, I'll be starting, finishing up my bachelor's degree this fall and spring and I'll also be starting my master's at the same time. So where did the sort of idea or the spark come from to say, you know what, I, I need to go to K-State, Marty mowing lawns, but I need to go to college. Um, if I'm being completely honest, all going through high school and, you know, middle school, high school, all of that, my school district, we didn't have an FFA program. We didn't have a 4-H program. We didn't have any of those. So I didn't even know horticulture existed. I was just on the you know, okay, let's go to college, get a business degree. It'll maybe help with running my own business in the future and whatever else I go into. And then my dad's in commercial construction and he was talking to one of their landscape subcontractors one day, just kind of catching up with them. And they go, Hey, what would Alex think about horticulture? So he didn't know anything about it. So I just get this text from him one day in the middle of class, go, Hey, look at this website. And he sends me a link to the horticulture website. And I go, I'm in, I just transferred into the program. I had never toured Throckmorton Hall. I had never met any of the professors, nothing like that. I just switched in. I knew this was going to be the right fit for me. Uh, I came up for some, one day over the summer for some summer enrollment, met with Dr. Steve Keeley, uh, turns out mutual friend of ours. And yeah, uh, speaking of, um, you know, when you said that it's a large <laughs> school, but you can sit next to somebody and you'll know a connection, you know, yeah. for those, for everyone listening, come to find out my turf grass management professor who um, I believe was only there for maybe just one year um, yeah. is one of Alex's professors at Kansas state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Dr. Keeley, he's our department head now. Great guy. Um, he was the first person I met. He helped me get my schedule set up. And I think since then I've either had a class with them every semester or closely worked with them. Uh, we have a very small department, uh, both faculty wise and student wise. Uh, we're trying to get those numbers up through recruiting, but it's a great, you know, I love the department. I love everyone in there. Uh, yeah. And when you uh, went into the program, were you still thinking you wanted to run your own business? Yeah, that's been the plan most of the time. Um, obviously, at like NCLC and a lot of the other events, I've talked to other companies and seen what's out there. And even now, I'm still learning of all the great opportunities. I mean, I knew irrigation was big in the past, but up until last fall when I went to the irrigation association show, I never knew that there were as many specialty roles in just consulting and design such as like what you do and Brian Van Casey mm -hmm. and many other people. Mm -hmm. I had still never known that existed. I always thought, you know, okay, irrigation is just a category of every landscape company. So yeah, I've still been kind of seeing what's out there and exploring all my options. But, yeah. Right on. And um, how much time do you have left? So I'll finish up my undergraduate degree next spring. Uh, I only have three or four classes left, but of course they're all couples fall only, a couple are spring only. And then I should finish up with my master's in turf grass science December by December of 2024. So still okay. got some time up here, but uh, I think it'll, I think my master's will be worth it now rather than, oh, I'll do it later and then wife, kids, all that come and it never happens. So, right. Right. Has yeah. your sort of perspective, or, or let me ask you, how has your perspective on the industry changed um, now compared to when you first started? Oh, it's completely changed. I knew you could make a 
job out of this industry. I never knew how well you can make a career out of this industry. Um, there are a few larger companies in the Kansas City area around where I grew up, uh, and some of them are family friends that have owned them for 20, 30 years, and they've done pretty well. But I never see, I'd never seen the Bright Views, the Brickmans, the Landcares, all those big national companies. I'd never known how much potential there truly was in this mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we grew up on, I grew up on larger properties, so you know there weren't a lot of lawn care companies there's mostly people doing it themselves yep diy yep yeah a lot of diy a lot of yeah just anything like that so seeing especially down at landscapes last fall that was amazing just seeing all of the different people from across the country and across the world running these multi-state multinational companies even so yeah yeah so from I'm guessing you've taken all kinds of classes from woody ornamentals <laughs> to turf grass, to uh-huh. irrigation, to greenhouse, to probably all of them. Which one has been the most interesting to you? Whew, that's a tricky one. Um, I'd say the two that stand out to me the most are we have a, it's technically two separate classes that you take together. It's the business of landscape construction and the business of landscape contracting. So, the construction portion, it's a hands-on outdoor lab for the second half of the spring semester. And we build retaining walls, put in landscape lighting. Uh, some years, the classes will put in uh, a pondless water feature. That's actually one of the classes I'm a undergraduate teaching assistant for now. And it's really nice because, you know, you can sit in a classroom and learn how to, you know, see all the PowerPoints, how to build a retaining wall, how to do all that. But we're actually able to get out, hands-on, do it. Director of our K-State Garden, Scott McElwain, and Dr. Greg Davis, they co-teach it. They're both very well respected in the industry, and they're just great people. I mean, we were working on a retaining wall last week, and Scott was just looking into the trench. And there was a hump maybe a half inch too high, and he just eyeballed it and knew exactly where it was <laughs> to get it out. It's crazy. And then yeah, so our – go ahead. I was just going to ask you if um... – for us sprinkler nerds, we're on vacation. We look around and all we see is the shitty sprinklers. You know, you can oh, see, yeah. you can see the bad work all over. Uh-huh. Are you able to see that now with, let's say retaining walls? Can you yeah, I'm spot able to see that. poor? Yeah. Yeah. With retaining walls. Uh, I've noticed a lot, especially I took our poor culture last spring and that one really stands out. You know, just looking around, I'll be sitting on a mower now. I was kind of mowing on along, looking around going, Oh, that tree's kind of, that tree needs some pruning there or that one needs that. And same thing with irrigation. So uh, Dr. Kathy Lavis, she taught irrigation here at K-State for, I think last year was her 22nd year. And she was actually one of the original professors that helped create the curriculum with the Irrigation Association. In I think they started in 1998 and they first offered the course in 1999. Hmm. And just what I learned in that class. I mean, yeah, I'm doing the same thing where I'm walking around properties and going, that's not the right sprinkler head. Oh, we need to switch (laughs) that one out. (laughs) You know, just little things like that, that I wouldn't have noticed even a year and a half ago, halfway through the program, just learning all those higher skill things. Right. And I, and I'm learning here too. So I like what you said, you're sitting on the mower, you can look over, you can see a tree and you can, you can see what that tree might need. Is there something in the landscape industry that might be like an audit? Can you go to a commercial property and audit their actual, you know, their plants and their landscape? 
Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not qualified for that yet. You know, I can do the. I just mean in page. general, is yeah. that a thing? Yeah, uh, it is definitely a thing, um, especially with uh, tree care and health, tree tree and plant health. Um, the International Society of Arboriculture they have certifications where they have specific people qualified around the country. They can appraise trees and they can tell you, hey, okay, this one's still healthy, but it might need this, this, and this in the next couple of years. It'll need this pruning. Hey, this one's a little too rotten for safety standards. Mm-hmm. It'll need to be removed. It's a very specialized skill, but it can be very critical in, uh, you know, a property appraisals, lawsuits, if trees fall off one property, you know, hit another house. Because you can get some trees in the landscape. They're worth, you know, if you go through and do the correct evaluation, it can be fifty to $100,000. And a lot of people think, oh, it's a tree in my backyard. It can't be worth that much. But you know, especially around here, we have a couple London plane trees on campus here at K-State. I bet their trunks are six to eight foot around, six foot, six to eight foot mm-hmm. diameters. And they're worth hundred, $120,000. Yeah. I do remember, um, I think when I was in school at Montana state, I think Bozeman valued their street trees on specific Uh corridors, you know, of the city, um, so that they knew, you know, these were here, we need to protect them and here's what they're worth. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. That's been another thing. K-State's become a Arbor Day tree campus every year. So that means what we do is we'll plant a couple trees just in honor of the Arbor Day foundation. And over the years we've gone around and we've valued different trees. So if you're ever in Manhattan, you can just walk around K-State's campus and outside of certain trees we have, it's about the size of a speed limit sign, I'd say, just a, po- a sign about the tree, like when it was planted, uh, approximate valuation, a little bit about the tree. And then we uh, have a chart that shows the carbon sequestr- sequestration of the tree. And it compares how much CO2 that tree can take in per year versus a drive from the little apple of Manhattan, Kansas to the big apple of Manhattan, New York. Wow. And like whether it would offset the CO2 or not. So <laughs> yeah, that makes it very tangible for someone. Yeah. 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 So very cool. So I want to ask one more question about what it's like in school. So uh-huh. school is, um, I'm sure some classes are easier than others and different people tend to excel at different types of classes. So a class that might be easy for me, could be hard for you. What's hard for me, could be easy for you. Yeah. What do you think for you specifically, what was the most difficult class? Ooh. Um, I'm being completely honest, as weird as it sounds, uh, principles of biology and plant pathology have been two of my hardest classes because we go over a lot of the same things that we do in horticulture but it's just taught in that different enough way where it kind of threw me for a loop. Hmm. Uh, you know, whether it's okay, well, biology has their, you know, it's more of a broad sense for like plant health and stuff like that. So yeah, I don't, it sounds weird. And I understood both units perfect, both in, you know, a print, more of a principles of horticulture class and the, bi- the biology class, but the biology just taught it in that way. That was just slightly different enough that it just threw me for a loop. Wow. But, Good. Yeah. Appreciate it. Th- thanks for so. sharing. There's definitely, <laughs> you know, uh, for me, it was classes where I had to memorize things, you know, yeah. where it was just simply like brute memorization yeah. was I've, difficult. Those are, those aren't the easiest for me, but I somehow got them down. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Let me ask you, you know, there's, 
I would say more so than ever, you know, people question college today. Is it worth it? It's expensive. I'm going to come out of school. I may have a little bit of debt, a lot of debt. Everyone's situation is different. What if I didn't go to college and I just started my business and I had no debt? What are your feelings on that? Obviously, that's always a tricky subject. I always say, without a doubt, go to college. The things I've been able to learn even before I finish my degree within this program and outside of the National Collegiate Landscape Competition, outside of landscapes, outside of the ISO, all of that, that took me from just being what I would call almost a lawn jockey, just kind of going out mowing lawns every day. I cut this lawn at this height and it should be good for everything. To I've learned a lot more about how to care for plants properly, how to care for turf properly. So for me, at least, going to college was not even a decision you think on. You just do it because the the skills you learn, the abilities you learn, the proper way to do stuff, and all the connections you make, those are invaluable over a career. And it can just make you that much more appealing to companies, to clients, to you know contractors, to everyone else. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Good. I, I was sort of maybe asking so that our audience, they may have those same questions, but I was also selfishly asking because my son's a senior. So it's like we you yeah. know, go back and forth. And I went to college, but I also grew up with parents that were educators. So there was no, for me, there was no other option and college was not free. I took on debt, but it was, that was the route there, there was, I wasn't actually given another choice. And I think yeah. looking back, if I was given another choice, I would have probably thought hard about it. I probably would have still made the same decision, but for me, it just simply wasn't a choice. It's just what you did. Yeah. And I, yeah, think no, now, and I was in a similar boat. I mean, ever since I was a little kid, it was, Hey, what do you want to do when you go to college? But I think I just found my true passion and where I enjoy it. And I'll especially advocate for horticulture, landscape design, all those industries. Cause we took, we had 21 team members that went down to, NC State with us for the collegiate landscape competition. Perfect segue. Thank you for segueing yeah. to this. <laughs> yeah. And every single team member we took down left with at least two two internship offers or job offers from that competition alone. So Wow. Yeah, just and the connections you make, you know it. A lot of those students they go in, they're rolling straight in, they're account managers, they're irrigation techs and they quickly get promoted to irrigation managers. I mean it just puts you that much further ahead, that much quicker within our great industry. And and as it relates to this sort of trying to get an ROI on the investment, the time and yeah. money investment, there it is. So uh-huh. by going there and and, and uh, those folks having offers, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I think our program, technically we have a 95% job placement rate, but everyone talks about the other 5%. They're the ones that went off and started their own business. So K-State can't technically count it. Right. But, you know, it's... I then it's a hundred basically. Yeah. It's a hundred percent basically. Cause yeah. 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 Good. Well, um, can you tell us, you know, most of the audience is uh, irrigation folks. We do have some, yeah. I'm sure we have some that are landscape and green industry related, but the majority yeah. is irrigation. Can you tell us uh-huh. what the competition was like at uh, NC state? So the national collegiate landscape competition, it's hosted by NALP every single year. It travels to a different university. Um, this is the first year back since 2019, obviously 2020 and 2020 got canceled because of our world getting turned upside down. And then 2021, we still weren't sure. So it was hosted online. I think this year was 43 schools and about 510 students In years past. It's been up to 65 different universities and 800 plus students come from all over the 
all over North America. Uh, I think years past we've had team, schools come down from Canada and it's three days of all sorts of events, everything from irrigation design and troubleshooting and assembly to heavy equipment operation to flower and foliage ID to business management to employee relations. And it's just, you know, it's a lot of fun. Everyone looks forward to it every year. Um, yeah, there's 31 competitive events that are all industry sponsored. There's no, you know, oh, it's just Joe Schmo from the small landscape company nearby helped out with this event. Uh, Irrigation Design, one of the events I competed in, that was sponsored by Brian Vincasey. Uh, Landcare and Gravely teamed up to sponsor truck and trailer. Steel just gives NLP a $50,000 check every year and says, hey, we want to be the platinum sponsor. We want to help these kids out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that kind of broadly covered the event. Yeah. And but, and so what about how did the actual irrigation event go down? What were you tested on? So what we were given, we were given a book, essentially, that was the exam. It was, a, I believe, 103 multiple choice questions. And we were given two, I want to say 24 by 36, but they might have been larger sheets of an irrigation plan mm-hmm. for a hypothetical project. And so would this we be just, hypothetically one of Brian and Casey's plans that he'd bring in yeah, for yep. an example? Yeah, that was one okay. of his plans. Uh, he brought in for an example. I think it was a 1 to 20 scale too. So it wasn't a small plan by any means. It was, I want to say, close to 40 or 50 zones on this okay. irrigation system. But we were just quizzed over you know, okay, how do you size, you know, this section of the plan? How do you, you know, sizing pipe? What size valve do we need? What size, what's the flow of all these sprinklers in this zone combined if they're this, this, and this? And then there were a lot of other just more basic design systems. Okay, if you put this type of backflow in, how much PSI are you going to lose here versus switching to this one? And it was a hard exam. He, you know, he didn't really hold, hold back on it, but it really tested you on your knowledge and showed you know, it showed what you knew and how willing yeah. you were to go into this industry. So, yeah. Was, and that's the type of information that, you know, irrigation contractors, you know, ought to know. And, you know, yeah. a lot of them do. Um, uh-huh. And a lot of them also don't, you know, because they've never been taught. No one's ever showed them. You know, the boss yeah. man says we put four sprinklers on his own. That's what they mm-hmm. know. Here's the size yeah. pipe we use because this is what we use. This is how uh-huh. we do it. A lot of times they don't know why and yeah. i feel like if you don't know why then you can't get out of your box because oh, you only yeah. know what the box is but if you know why you can scale up or you can scale down you can make changes you really have to know how how and why it works yeah no that that exam it if you didn't know the why it was it would have been a lot more difficult just because you had to know you know it you had yeah. to know everything it was probably one of the hardest tests i've ever taken so far <laughs> <laughs> So that so, was the inside exam. And was there outside, you know, putting pipe together, fixing brakes, things like not that? Not for that event. Um, okay. There was an irrigation assembly event. I wasn't able to compete in that due to some conflicts. But then we also had an irrigation troubleshooting event that Megan Nelson, I mentioned earlier, her and I were on a team together for that. And Hunter Irrigation and Ewing Irrigation Supply, they partnered up for that one. And we had four zones and... One of them, it was repair a leaking diaphragm and make sure all the nozzles were right for the sprinklers and 
pointed correctly. Another one, it was, I think same thing, just check the nozzles, check the diaphragm. And then there was a drip zone and a zone that was supposed to be just shut off. It was like, the scenario was coming, okay, you came into a new property, homeowners just bought it, there's a busted irrigation system, how can you fix it and make it right? So we had to program nodes, we had to adjust MP rotators, we had to adjust regular sprays, make sure we had the correct pressure regulated not, uh, stems, or not stems, but pressure regulated mm -hmm. uh, spray bodies, mm -hmm. and just go through it. And then after that, we had to size a, correctly size a drip tubing section. And all this had to be done in an hour, 50 minutes. For NCLC, that's every single event, whether it's, it was that irrigation design one, irrigation troubleshooting, a flower and foliage ID, all those. So it's, you have to get in, you have to know your stuff and it's get in and get out. So yeah. right on. Good. Well, congratulations on, on Thanks. all your success at the event. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm sure K-State is super proud of all of you guys. Yeah, no, I'm proud of our whole team. Uh, we took 11th overall out of 43 schools and out of the 21 team members we had on there, only three of them had ever been to this event before. So it was, wow. Yeah. Roster of rookies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Megan, Kate and I, we'd never been before because Kate and I were supposed to go spring of 2020. And then obviously the world shut down, like everything got canceled. So, you know, we would get questions every once in a while from the team members. Hey, what does this look like typically? And we're like, Oh, we, we haven't been. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was kind of, it was scary at times and it's tricky, but we all went down, we had a good time. Everyone got along and, we had fun and won some events. So excellent, excellent. So, yeah. let's see. From where you sit now, from your experience so far at K State, from going to these competitions, you know, sort of being on the track that you're on, the track that you've created. Yeah. What is something that you might look back and tell your younger self? That's <laughs> that is a tricky one. I would definitely say get involved earlier on. I mean. I was always involved with the horticulture club up here and our NCLC student chapter, but my first, my freshman year, especially, I mean, I was going to the meetings, I was doing that, but I wasn't as involved with like, you know, stepping forward and trying to help lead the clubs up until later on. So I definitely say that. And then, you know, even looking back into high school and things like that, just try and get involved more with the organizations within the industry you know, mm. and find, you know, start weeding out all the different Facebook groups, find which ones are good, find which ones aren't, you know, do that earlier on. So, cause I'm sure you know this well, everyone thinks they're an expert on the internet. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and that's what I love about your group. You've kept it pretty well regulated. And some of the other ones I've been in in the past, you know, I won't name any names, but it's like, I'm scrolling through it and I'm like, that's not right at all. So. Yeah. And there's a way to provide feedback that's helpful Yeah, and, and, you know, for lack of a better word and compassionate and understanding. Uh -huh. And then there's ways yeah. to provide feedback that for also lack for a better word, that's just being a dick. And yeah. there's no, a lot no, of I've, that out there. I've experienced a lot of that. Yeah. And my whole philosophy of this industry is, I mean, we're on that cutting edge where it can grow and people can start seeing it a lot more as a professional industry that it really is. But the only way we're going to grow is if we grow together. It's, yeah. all the division and, oh, hey, that's stupid, that's stupid. You know, all that hatred keeps flying around. It's not going to help anyone. It's just going to make it worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to kind of, I wonder what would happen if we did this. You know, like that's the kind yeah. of, to, to sort of stay curious and to wonder 
And if you've done something before, because you had to touch the stove, you didn't know how to fix this valve yeah. manifold. So you use whatever parts that were on the truck because it's just what you had. Then uh -huh. you can share that in a way that is helpful for someone else versus it making feel like they're an idiot or something. Yeah. Well, that was one of my favorite things. Uh, I took a landscape maintenance course with Dr. Labus last fall or fall of 2020. And we'd be working. Uh, so in that class, we took care of all the landscape around our building. Ground screw basically said, hey, we don't have the staff to do this, really. Can you guys take care of it? And that was 15 years ago, you know, before everything going on. So Dr. Labus said, sure, we'll make it part of the class. And us students, we would ask a question like, hey, what if we pruned this box with this way or prune this other shrub that way? And she would just, she knew the answer because she had done stuff like it before. But she would just go, here you go. Here's a pair of pruners. Go find out. Come look at Perfect. it in the spring and tell me. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> you know, so. That is, yeah. that is so good. We need to do more of that. And if you're yeah. a foreman or you're a project leader or, or whatever, you know, leading someone, let uh -huh. them make a mistake. Guess yeah. what? They'll learn. Yeah. They will learn if they make that mistake. Uh -huh. so. Totally. Okay. So I kind of have one last question and, you know, sort of okay. relates to, you know, the future of this industry. And, and I like to call it sort of raising the bar. How do we, you know, how do we help this industry? I think just outreach and, you know, like I said earlier, kind of improving the community as a whole, because the only way it's going to improve it, everyone is if we work together to do it. And I think especially bridging that gap between, you know, helping the people that just mow lawns on the weekends to help pay for their kids' braces or the kids in high school trying to make some money, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, I want to help you grow and I also want to help you do this right. I'm not saying you have to be the next land care or Brightview or anything like that. You can keep doing it, but we want to see you succeed and we want to help you do it in a way so whereas we don't need to you know keep putting all these fertilizers and running irrigation every day because you're scalping the lawns and just look at it from a bigger picture how can we bring it all together and you know reduce the stigma behind all the other you know everything else that's yeah. going on now yeah i like so, that help each other and yep yeah. exactly love that yeah. and there's a lot of um you know, just let's say teachers, for instance, a lot of teachers uh -huh. obviously don't work in the summer. They pick up a, yeah. a lawnmower or they do landscaping uh -huh. or they do mulching or they, you know, service irrigation systems and nothing wrong with that. And if we can help them be a little bit better, yeah. um, sometimes it's not about growing the biggest company or hiring the most no. employees or it's yeah. just doing, doing a good job. Do a good job and do it right. So that's one thing I've always emphasized and that's, Part of what I want to do my master's research on is just how can we, you know, reduce inputs in some turf areas, but also how can we educate people on it in a way that they'll understand it and they'll listen. Perfect. So, so let me ask you, this will be my, <laughs> the final question. What's yeah. next for Alex? So this fall, uh, like I said earlier, I'll be finishing up my bachelor's degree and I'll start my master's research uh, on, with, we work in conjunction with Dr. Steve Keeley, Dr. Rasperon, and Dr. Jack Fry, all from K-State. Uh, it'll be more on the low input turf side. Um, how can we reduce, you know, overall inputs once it's down or might be along the lines of sod production. How can we get plastic netting out of, you know, especially fescue sod production? It's everywhere and it gets caught up in mowers, sprinklers, feet, 
tremors, you name it. It's crazy. I, my, yeah. I built my house in 2018. I still see <laughs> that crap. <laughs> yeah. So that's one thing we've talked about is how can we try and find some ways to remove that. Uh, and so I'll do that. Uh, I'll help. I'll be a graduate teaching assistant starting this fall. So I'm looking forward to that and hopefully help educate the next group coming through and get them excited about the industry and passionate about it. Uh, and then, so that'll go till about December of 2024. And then after that, I'll see what's out there. I'll keep running my business in the meantime, and maybe I'll stick with that. Maybe I'll see what else is out there and travel around a little Excellent. bit. So, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Cast your, <laughs> spread your wings. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm still, uh, still young, still got a lot of chances to grow and see what can happen. So, yeah, I, I love it and uh, appreciate having you in, in the community. Uh, we need more. Yeah. We need to see from the lens of the younger and the next generation more. And um, I would also encourage if there's any other students that would love to join the sprinkler community to to uh, not only learn, but to also share and have input. Uh, oh, yeah. We'd love to have a perspective from from more students and, and up and comers. So, yeah, no, it's um, it's a great group. Uh, learn a lot in there and everyone's willing to, you know, bounce ideas off one another. And that's that's what I've really enjoyed. There's no. Hey, you're an idiot. That that's all gone. That's in the other places. It's a well. What's that technology? Or you know, I'm learning more old. I've learned some old school techniques in there versus a lot of the new school ones I've learned at trade shows and out. You know, talking to other people I know from town. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, Alex. Well, thank you for for being open. Thanks for sharing yeah. your experience at K State, and uh, look forward to keeping in touch and following you on your landscape journey. Yeah, I look forward to keeping in touch with you too. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Cheers. Cheers.